The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Turn to John chapter 15, and let's look beginning at verse number 1. We read here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abideth in the vine... No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together tonight to to sing praises to your name. And Father, truly you are worthy of all honor and all glory. Father, you alone are worthy of our worship. And now we come together tonight that you might instruct us from your word, that you, might, that you might strengthen us, Lord, that you might strengthen us in our Christian life. And we ask that you would teach us now and be with us, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Suppose I could offer you tonight a life that is guaranteed to give you joy greater than anything else in the world. What would, it, what would you say if I could give you a life that, that uh, it, it's a blessed life that produces happiness in its fullest measure? A life that has an assurance that cannot be shaken. A peace that surpasses understanding. How many of you would be interested in something like that? If I could, if I could give you that kind of life, you'd say, I, I would definitely be interested in that. Raise your hand. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't offer you a life such as that. However, I do know who can. His name is Jesus. Jesus, by his own confirmation, 
came to give us life. But more than just life, he came to give us an abundant life. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, we read, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Far too many today assume that this abundant life Jesus spoke of implies that he wants us to have all the material things that we make, could possibly want. And there are many false teachers who say just that. They proclaim what we would call the prosperity gospel, giving many a false understanding of the scriptures. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul describes these men in verses 5 and 6. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So I submit to you tonight that the abundant life that Jesus spoke of is not a materialistic life. Rather, it is an abundant spiritual life that Jesus wants us to have. A life lived in righteousness and holiness. A life given by God, ruled by Christ, and led of the Holy Spirit. It is a life that manifests the image of Christ in your heart and in your mind and in your outward living In Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What Paul is saying here is, That I'm not looking for material things. I'm looking for God to live through me. That's the abundant life that God wants you. He came, that Jesus died so that you and I could have. Through Jesus' teaching, we learn how to live this abundant life. These teachings are found in our text verses tonight. There are three parties identified in this allegory. In the story of Jesus, as given in in verses 1 through 15, we see first the husbandman. Now the husbandman is the keeper of the vine. He's the keeper of the vineyard. And Jesus described the husbandman as God, the, the Father. We also see the vine. And Jesus identified himself as the vine. Maybe you've driven by a vineyard and, and you, you can see the, uh, the sm- uh, smaller tree trunk-like structures coming up out of the ground and, and going on to a, a system of wires. And, and that is the vine, the vine itself. And, and the vine grows into the, to the, the supporting structure. And what, what do we have on the vine? We have branches. And Jesus said that we are the branches. And the vehicle used to teach this lesson is that of the vineyard. First, let us discuss the husbandman for a moment. The husbandman is the owner of a vineyard. All things pertaining to the vineyard belong to the husbandman. He is the sole proprietor and has complete control over the disposition and welfare of the vineyard. If he chooses, he could chop down 
every one of the vines. If he chooses, he could sell off the entire vineyard. It's his. It's his to do with whatsoever he, he pleases. He is the sovereign ruler over the vineyard. Next, the husbandman. Jesus tells us uh, is the father. It is, it is he that planted and tends to the vine. It is he that waters it. It is he that tills the ground. It is he that grafts the branches into the vine. The vineyard is his. And then we see the vine. The vine is the source of life for the fruit of the vineyard. It is the foundation from which the branches grow and all the fruit is produced. Without the vine, there would be no vineyard. Without the vine, there could be no life. Without the vine, there would be no fruit. The vine is Christ himself. He is the vine planted by the Father. In John 6:38, Jesus states, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. His life is sustained by the husbandman. All his care is tended to by the Father. He is rooted and built up in the Godhead, and his strength flows from the same. But then we also see a reference to the branches. These branches are you and I, the elect saints of God. We have been grafted into the vine. And this grafting is done by the work and the will of the husbandman. We did not choose the vine. The husbandman chose us. In John 15, 16, Jesus states, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We grow into a productive branch, not because of our own labors. Rather, we draw our life and our strength from the vine. It is the vine that nourishes the branches. We produce fruit because of the vine, not apart from the vine. If the branch grows too far away from the vine, it will lack the nourishment it needs to produce fruit. Now, that's what's happened to many of of God's people today. Many of God's elect saints around our, our world tonight have grown too far, too far from the vine. Within we see, I'm sorry, I lost my place. It is vine that nourishes the branches. We produce fruit, not apart from the vine. This is why we see the pruning work of the husbandman. And this is why God prunes or or chastises us so that we will grow and produce more fruit. In John chapter 15 and verse 2, we read, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit is taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now the hope of our abundant life begins here. It begins with the branches being pruned and cared for by the husbandman. So that we will bear fruit in the vine. The branches apart from the vine cannot produce fruit. In fact, the branches apart from the vine cannot have life. In John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, we read, And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. In this we see the lost souls of men. They do not abide in the vine, therefore uh, they have no hope of life. The branch lying on the ground apart from the vine has no hope of life. Our life flows from the vine. Therefore it is easy to understand that an abundant life would also have to flow 
from the vine. So now we have established the pattern. Jesus desires that we have an abundant life, and that abundant life is found in him. And more than just life, but abundant life. So let us examine for a few moments tonight, what is the abundant life? Now, we're not going to finish this tonight. I'm going to begin this tonight, and we're going to continue it next Sunday evening. Um, Pastor returning asked me if I would uh, be willing to, to do the Sunday evening service for him because he wouldn't have time to prepare for all of the services. So next Sunday evening, we're going to complete this study. But tonight, we're going to begin by identifying the abundant life. Now, I'm sure that, uh, I, a matter of fact, I know we could spend months studying this. As a matter of fact, about two and a half years ago, I did about a five or six part message on, on this very subject. And I, I only scratched the surface. So with our limited time, allow me tonight to, to share actually one main thought with you. And then we'll continue uh, this in, in a week. But number one, we see that Jesus' desire is that this abundant life that we have, he desires that it would be a fruitful life. We read it a few moments ago in John fifteen two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What is the most important thing to you tonight? What is most important in your, in your heart and mind tonight? Is it to be a, a loving husband to your wife? The most important thing tonight to you, is it to be a strong, compassionate father or, or mother? Is it to advance, perhaps, in your, in your career to better provide for your family and, and those things? Is it to gain financial security? Now, this is an important question to answer. And the reason is, the thing that is most important to you (coughs) will determine your priorities and the focus in your life. Just a moment ago, we we looked at John 15, 16, where Jesus states, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, this is the desire of my heart tonight. My desire is, uh, you know, I, w- I want to be a good husband. I, I want to be a good father. I, I want to uh, provide things for my family and, and, and all these things, and these are not bad things. But the, but the passion of my heart, the desire of my heart, since the day God saved me, is to bear fruit in in all of that I do in life, bear fruit that honors and glorifies the Father. My desire is that I would be a branch that brings forth abundant fruit. I I remember as a young Christian, just saved just a few few weeks or so, reading uh, the parable of the sower and and, and Jesus said some brought forth uh, tenfold, some thirtyfold, some an hundredfold. And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, make me a hundredfold Christian. That's, that's what I want to be. I want to be a Christian who, who produces fruit in my life for you. And as a branch that abides in the vine, I will bear the fruits that God has ordained in me. And I will accomplish the things that I desire in my life. I will, by 
by abiding in the in the vine, by living in Christ, and by 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 uh, dwelling in, and and allowing the vine to abide in me, I will be a loving husband, because Jesus will teach me how to be. I will be a strong, compassionate father, because Jesus will give me the ability to be such. I will be a faithful servant to my church, because Jesus will empower me to be one. I will be a kind and loyal friend, because Jesus will give me peace and joy, and will teach me to love. I will be able to be all the things I want to be, Because these things are the fruit of the vine. So what exactly is meant by bearing fruit? If an abundant life includes bearing fruit through Christ, then we had better understand what this means. Bearing fruit in scripture, allow me to share a few thoughts for you, is illustrative of first, it's illustrative of the works of the spirit in our life. In Galatians chapter 5, we read from verses 22 through 24, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now, I want you to look carefully at that passage. Do you see that word fruit? It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. You see, some people gauge their success in their life by how many of the fruits they have. Oh, let's see. Love, eh, I'm okay there. Joy, I got joy. I'm in peace. Ah, well, sometimes I'm kind of mean. Long-suffering, you know, and they go down the line. You know, six out of seven, that's not bad. That's not bad. But the common misunderstanding here is that this is the fruit of the Spirit. And someone who is truly has a fruitful life in the vine possesses all of these qualities in his life. Now this fruit is alien to our human nature. For in Galatians chapter 5, just a few verses before this, Paul describes to us the fruit of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh, he says, are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the works of the flesh. These are the things that you and I in our natural state are subject to. The works of the flesh are the inverse of the fruit of the Spirit. And there is no way that we can produce the fruit of the Spirit apart from the vine or apart from Jesus. Remember, a branch can only produce fruit from its vine. A branch attached to the world's vine will produce the fruits of the flesh, not the fruit of the Spirit. However, when we have been grafted into the true vine, and when we come to the place where we yield our life under the Holy Spirit, 
then this fruit is manifested in our lives through the vine, by Christ. And our life brings glory and honor to the Father. I said we bear fruit by the works of the Holy Spirit in our life. Apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the vine, the only work, the only fruit we can produce are the works of the flesh. We will never live as God desires us to live with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith. Oh, perhaps we can emulate these characteristics for a short period of time. I shared Wednesday evening with those that were here how that before I was saved, I I attempted to, I, I knew in my heart that I wasn't doing the right things. I didn't understand that I was lost. I didn't understand I was, I was unsaved. But I knew in my heart what I was doing wasn't right. So I had periods in my life where I made a conscious effort to change. And, and, and so for a little while, I was able to emulate. I was able to imitate the works of the flesh, of the spirit. Not, not of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. But sooner or later... That old nature caught up with me. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Huh? Am I the only one here that experienced that in my life? We try to, we try to clean up the old man and clean up the old nature and hmm, we smell pretty good. Yeah, that works, that works. But you can, you can wash a pig and perfume it and put powder on it and put a bow on its head. And turn it loose and let it go, and it's going to run like like crazy until it gets back to the slop, and it's going to dive right in and roll around in it and snort and and grunt and everything else because it's his nature, and it's our nature, as as unsaved people, it's our nature to to wallow in the in the mire. But you remember what I said Wednesday night. You remember. We're a, child of, we're a child of the king. That, that's not who we are anymore. That's no longer acceptable for us. And we must remember that. We bear the fruit that God has ordained that we should bear when we abide in the vine. It will be a fruit pleasing unto God. And this fruit remains. Jesus said, I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. In other words, we don't we don't fall in and out of fellowship with God. As as a child of God, as an elect saint, God God sets our feet on a solid rock and, and we, we abide in that and we live in that and and the fruit that comes from that relationship, from from that, that that grafting into the vine of Christ, that fruit remains. Oh we may we may falter from time to time, but we don't utterly fall. The fruit remains. So first, uh, bearing fruit is illustrative of the works of the Holy Spirit in our life. But then secondly, bearing fruit is illustrative of winning of souls through our witness. Now some put all of the emphasis of fruit on soul winning. And certainly there is a lot of truth to that. Fruit bearing does include our witness for Christ, it does include those that, that uh, are saved. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit in this instance is the witness that we have in Christ. 
We all understand that it is not we who save the souls, it is the Lord. And further, we understand that God has not commanded us to go out and save souls. He's commanded us to be a witness of the grace of God. So what is Solomon speaking of when he talks about the fruit of the righteous? He is speaking of the righteousness of the believer, which is brought forth under the influence of divine grace through Jesus Christ. He is saying, because of the new nature imputed to us at salvation, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and his work in our life, we have a witness for Christ. We have become branches, branches which bear the fruit of righteousness, but not our own righteousness, for we have no righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul states, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Again, as we discussed Wednesday evening, the scripture states, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word new creature, that that word creature means, is, is better translated actually creation. So by virtue of the righteousness that we have from Christ, we are, we are a new creation. So often I have, I have Christians in, in counseling and, and, and in trouble when they talk to me. They say, well, I, you know, I can't be there Sunday morning. But God understands. No, he doesn't. Okay, let's get that straight right now. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand. God's children who aren't in church on Sunday morning and who aren't in church on Sunday night, God does not understand. God withheld nothing from us. He held nothing back. He gave us everything. The least we can do is give him his own day. Amen? No, he doesn't understand when we tell a lie. He doesn't understand when we steal. He doesn't understand when we choose family over church. He doesn't understand any of these things. God is righteous and he is perfect. And he expects you, his blood-bought children, to obey his commands. He doesn't understand, so stop saying that. Just admit the truth. You chose to do something other than what you should do. God gives you six days, and he says, I want the seventh. Give it to me. You know, when our nation was strong, when our nation was great, was when people were in church on Sunday, when factories closed, when stores closed. When I was a boy, you better get whatever you want on Saturday because nothing was open on Sunday. When I was a boy... You know what? Do you know one of the reasons that the Japanese planned to attack Pearl Harbor on a Sunday morning? Was because they knew people were going to be in church. Boy, they wouldn't get away with it now, would they? I left off teaching and went back to preaching again. Paul says, I don't have my own righteousness. I have the righteousness which is through the faith in Christ. 
is a fruit that is attractive to those whom God has called and chosen. And the righteousness we have in the vine causes us to bear a witness for Christ. And by this witness, men are drawn to the vine. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus stated, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What happens when you walk past a tree filled with beautiful fruit? In our backyard, our neighbor has a plum tree. I love plums. Ooh, I love plums. When I was a boy, I used to ride my bike home from baseball practice, and an elderly man had a, had a, a plum tree, and he would be sitting out on his porch, and I'd always stop and look over at that plum tree, and he would say, Come on in. Come on in and get some plums. And he wasn't a weirdo, so it's okay. I mean, I... But I love good fruit. I, I love fruit. And, and I was drawn to that tree because of the fruit. And by the way, my neighbor across the fence, he didn't even know he had plums until he saw me grabbing some out of the tree. And the next thing you know, he comes out and he's looking up at the tree And when I went back in the house, I saw a ladder go, and he went up there and got some of that fruit, too. It's pleasing. It's pleasant. The fruit we bear is illustrative of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's it's illustrative of our witness for Christ. And then thirdly, the fruit that we bear is illustrative of our spiritual growth. I'd like for you to turn with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll read verses 5 through 7. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. We read here, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see these characteristics that Peter described? Virtue, which is morality. Knowledge, which is discernment. Temperance, which signifies self-control. Patience, which is endurance. Godliness, which is purity. Brotherly kindness, which is compassion, and charity, which is love. Now these, character, these qualities, these characteristics, chronicle the spiritual growth of a believer. A believer begins with faith, and he adds to his faith virtue. He begins to develop moral, uh, moral ethics, and, 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 and he adds to that knowledge. He begins to get discernment through the word of God, and he adds to that knowledge temperance. And through to his temperance, he, he, he develops patience, which, which leads him to godliness. And then he, he learns brotherly kindness and, and, and then charity. And this is a growth process. It didn't start out one day, just woke up and possessed all of these. None of us did. When I got saved, I... I I, I didn't, God didn't all of a sudden just take away everything in my life. I, I had to learn what things to keep and what things to let go. 
I'd sit in a, in a service like this, and I'd hear preaching, and the preaching would convict me in my heart, and I, I'd say, I have to stop this. I, got, I can't do this. This is not right. God does not desire this in my life. And one by one, I, I put things away, and I gave them up. And every time I gave up something I shouldn't have, God gave me a plethora of things that I needed. And I grew. Spiritual growth. Now, apart from the vine... These fruits of spiritual growth would be unattainable. Listen, if we, if we don't attach ourselves to the vine, if we, don't, if, if we don't allow the Lord, I should say, to graft us into the vine, and if we don't stay connected to the vine, we're not going to gain these, these characteristics in our lives. We're not going to develop morality. We're not going to gain knowledge. We're not going to learn temperance. We're not going to develop patience. We're not, gonna, we're not going to ex, uh, express godliness in our life or brotherly kindness or, or charity. None of these things will, will grow from our branch if we are not attached to the vine. Again, as, as I said earlier, we could, we could gain a semblance of these, but they would be like wax fruit. What good is wax fruit other than to, to show can't eat it even worms can't eat it they may look like it may look like real fruit but it has no substance it can offer no satisfaction god has ordained that we should produce these fruits of spiritual growth peter stated in second peter chapter three ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our lord jesus uh, our lord and savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever amen and we grow in these by knowledge of the word of god Again, Peter states in chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. I have one grandson who's two years and three months. And I have another one who's gone on three months. And let me tell you something, that three-month-old baby eats nonstop. I've never seen something so small put away so much. See, newborn babes, you, you just can't feed them enough. They just want more and more and more and more. Well, some of us in this, in this church and, and many Christians around this world have stopped growing. And you know why we stopped growing? Because we stopped feeding No longer do we desire the word of God as we one time did. No, no more do we desire the preaching of the word of God. No more do we desire to, to be in the house of the Lord. No longer do we desire the friendship of God's saints. You see, we've, we've plateaued. We've reached a point where we say, okay, that's, that's good enough. I'm okay now. I'm good enough. Listen. You need to grow until the Lord says it's good enough. That's kind of scary. We need to, we need to desire the knowledge of God that we may grow. And these things which are given us as branches within the vine will result in a fruitful life. 
Peter states in 2 Peter 1.8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this abundant life is a fruitful life. It is a life of righteousness and holiness. And this righteousness and holiness has been given to us. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to try to attain it. It's been given to us. It's given to us under the divine grace we have through Christ. And this produces fruit in our life, and it produces fruit that remains. These fruits will bring us the life that I spoke of earlier, a life of joy, a life of blessedness, a life of assurance, and a life of peace. This is where our strength comes from. Our spiritual strength does not come from any of our own abilities. It doesn't come from our own wisdom. It doesn't come. Our spiritual strength does not come by our own efforts. They come by the grace of God. They've already been given to us. We just have to acknowledge it. We we have to apply ourselves to it. Spiritual strength. I desired in my life, I'm sure all of you desired as well, but apart from the vine, we'll never find it. We must abide in Christ. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, Jesus said. Where is your heart abiding today? Is it abiding in the vine? Is it abiding in Christ? Or are you too distracted by the world? Are you too caught up with concerns and cares and worries? Jesus came that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. That doesn't mean we're going to have all the wealth we want. That does, he's not talking about material things. He's talking about a life of fulfillment, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of, filled with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. That's the life that is yours right now. It's just waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the abundant life that we have in him. And Lord, we just, we just ask that you would teach us to be content with such things as you've given us. But Lord, to, be, to thirst and to hunger for righteousness, the, the righteousness that only comes by abiding in Christ. Bless us tonight as we close this service. We pray you'd bless the pastor as he is away. And, and uh, Father, that you would just strengthen him in his heart and his mind. And that he would return to us renewed and refreshed. And Lord, may he return to find a church that has been re-energized because of the knowledge that, that we abide in Christ. Help us, Father. Help us to, to, to grow and to become strong in our faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, 
Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.